Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 53, your relationship with yourself and your life. My name is Jesse Ellertson and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. We are going to start out our episode with a battle buddy moment, which is a podcast review from ERLB31. And it says, the title of the review is, What I Look Forward to Each Week. And the review says, Jessie provides motivating and actionable advice through her podcast. Every episode provides me with new ways of thinking and a boost to try to make positive changes in my life. Jessie has an approachable and inviting way of explaining her coaching tools. I feel like I've talked things over with a dear friend after I listened to an episode. Thank you for all of your thoughtful work, Jessie. It is a blessing in my life. What a beautiful review. Thank you so much and keep them coming, you guys. Okay, so today we're talking about relationships, but not in the way that we have in the past or in the way you might traditionally think about them, which is relationships with other people. We're talking about the relationship that you have with yourself and the relationship you have with your life and elements in your life. So Jody Moore, my coach, did a podcast episode about this particular topic a while ago. And if you're interested, it's episode 206 on the Better Than Happy podcast. And it really opened up my mind to what it means to have a relationship with everything around us, not just the people in our lives. I was really used to thinking about relationships with the people in my life, but I hadn't, and and I was even used to thinking about relationship with myself and those kinds of things, but I wasn't used to thinking about, oh, I have a relationship with my home, with my neighborhood. I have a relationship with time. I have a relationship with my car. It was really interesting to start to think about those things. And I feel like since opening my mind up to that concept, I've been able to think about it even more as I apply it to more life coaching topics. Like for example, my episode a little while ago about being hard to ask for help, uh, I started to realize we all have a relationship with our ability to ask for help or our relationship with asking for help. We have a relationship with failure. We have a relationship with our past. We have a relationship with our future. I just really have enjoyed thinking about it in this way. What is my relationship with, you know, and then fill in the blank. And it sets me up for being really curious about it and gaining awareness and then also deciding what do I want my relationship with this particular thing or element in my life to look like. Okay, so we are going to just talk about what a relationship means for just a minute and then we'll go into some of my thoughts. So as you know, because we've talked about it before, a relationship with a person particularly is what we think about that person, our thoughts in our mind about that person. And so we'll often say in life coaching, we'll say relationships exist in our mind. And this is so valuable to know because sometimes we can't spend time with that person. Sometimes they've passed away. Sometimes they don't want to spend time with us, but we want to still be able to have a relationship with them. And so once we know our relationship always only ever exists in our mind, even when we are spending time with that person, it really empowers us to create the relationship that we want to have. And in the exact same way, our relationship with ourself or things in our life, or like some of those examples I mentioned near the beginning, it's the exact same way. It's whatever we think about ourselves, whatever we think about our home, our past, you know, all those examples I gave, it's the thoughts that we have in our mind about those things, and that represents our relationship. So again, if you go back to that example of asking for help, if we want to know what our relationship is with asking for help or our ability to ask for help, we we do a thought download. We say, what 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 comes up for me when I think about asking for help? 
And then we ask more and we say why. And then we get all those thoughts down about asking for help. And then that's how we know what our current relationship about asking for help is. We get curious, we get aware, and then we ask ourselves, what do I want my relationship with asking for help to look like? So we are going to start with what our relationship is with ourselves. And one way I like to say this when I'm working with my clients on gaining awareness around what their current relationship with themselves is, is I ask them, what is your opinion of yourself? And sometimes that's a challenging question for them to answer. So I start by saying, well, let's talk about your opinion of some other people. And they're able to very easily, you know, we, we, I ask them, what's your opinion of your best friend? What's your opinion of your sister, a cousin, your father? You know, I'll start to ask them people that I know that's important in their lives. And they're very, very easily able to tell me what they think about this person. And then you might even ask, you know, what's your opinion of someone, you know, they don't like. And they're very easily able to give you that as well. So then we come back to, well, what is your opinion of yourself? And then they're a little bit more open to what are their current thoughts about themselves. And that represents their relationship. That is their relationship. So this is a really valuable thing to take a look at and to start to understand. What is your relationship with yourself? What is your opinion? Do you have a high opinion of yourself? Do you have a low opinion of yourself? Do you give yourself permission to think well about yourself in certain areas of your life, but then not others? Do you give yourself permission to think well of yourself when you're doing well, but not when you're doing poorly? Which again is all your interpretation. Another thing that I'll ask my clients is, is your brain a pleasant place, a safe place to be? So for example, if we are in the habit of thinking well of ourselves when we're doing well, but then poorly of ourselves when we judge that we're doing poorly, our brain isn't necessarily a super pleasant, safe place to be because we know, our brain knows, I don't, I don't want to try that hard thing or take this chance because if I don't succeed or if it takes a long time or if I have hiccups along the way, I'm for sure going to beat myself up. And so knowing that we have that pattern, our brain knows we have that pattern. So it wants to limit the opportunities and chances of that major beating ourselves up or being hard on ourselves. And so that might make us resist taking chances. But if we were able to identify that and start to change it and say whether I'm doing, you know, well or poorly in any certain area, I have permission to think well of myself and to be kind to myself, compassionate, understanding loving, all of these things, then our brain knows, oh, it's really safe to try this thing that might work and might not work because either way I know I've got me. See how that, it's a pleasant place to be when when we know it's safe, right? So start to take a look at that. Um, one, another way I ask my clients this is these kinds of things will often become a little clearer when we spend time alone by ourselves, particularly if we're not doing any distractions or buffering. I ask them if they enjoy spending time alone if they enjoy getting lost in thought, if they, if what goes on when they get lost in thought, is it, you know, kind of enjoyable exploration, daydreaming, whatever, or is it just kind of this cycle of self-doubt, self-loathing, you know, which is so many of us do that, but you can see why you wouldn't really enjoy going there. You wouldn't really look forward to, oh, I get to spend time with myself and get lost in thought. If when you get lost in thought, you go there, you go to that place of analyzing things you've done wrong, judging yourself harshly, and in general, having that low opinion of yourself. So what I, what I work on and what I try to help my clients work on, if this is a desire of theirs, is becoming friends with themselves, increasing that opinion they have of themselves, making their brains a more pleasant place to be. I mean, truly, I work on being best friends with myself. I have my own back in a way that I that I feel like 
I've got the backs of my best friends and best siblings and my husband and my kids. I have, I have my own back in that way as well. I am my own best friend instead of my own worst enemy. We so commonly will say that phrase, oh, I'm, I'm just my own worst enemy or they're their own worst enemy, but I want to be my own best friend. And when you're able to accomplish this or even improve what's currently going on, we don't have to go all the way from own worst enemy to own best friend, um, but just to start on that journey, when you make improvements in this area, you benefit in so many ways. I truly believe, and the more I study about the brain and the more I work with my clients and the more I work with myself, this is this idea is just getting reconfirmed, but I truly believe that every problem that we have could be improved by improving our opinion of ourselves. And I heard Jody Moore say this the other day on her podcast. She said, everything we do is in an effort to feel a little better about ourselves. And often what we're doing is not actually going to produce that as the result, but it's what the desire is. The desire is to feel better about ourselves and to give ourselves permission to love ourselves and believe that we're doing well and believe that we're worthy and believe that we're whole because our lower brain is so quick to offer us evidence and thoughts of the contrary. It's funny to be recording this episode right now talking about what it's like to be alone and if that's a pleasant experience for you because I am alone in a hotel room, which is really amazing. This just almost never happens. But I was talking with my husband about how I hadn't been alone since March and it's July because of the pandemic and because my husband was away on training and, you know, quarantine and no school since March and and all of that. Uh, I have six kids, two of which are toddlers. And I was talking to him about how someone's always touching me. Someone's always needing me, which is exactly what I want. Truly. I love it so much and I wouldn't have it any other way. But what I really enjoy is getting little breaks from it. And like we talked about in the balanced life myth episode, I have this new relationship with getting breaks. (laughs) Speaking of relationships. As I mentioned in that episode, I used to think, oh, if I could just get a break, that'll fix everything. And I'll go back to being patient and kind and loving and all the things. But now when I get a break, I just say, oh, this will just be so great. And I'll really enjoy it. And then I'll go back to being a mom and I'll continually work on being patient and being all the things I want to be as a mom. And I'll just enjoy the break and it won't have fixed anything. It'll just be really enjoyable. And that's exactly what it's been. I've been, I've been in this hotel for two nights. I've just so enjoyed the silence and the solitude and I've gotten tons of work done like just uninterrupted hours of work on my business which has been glorious I'm recording these podcast episodes because it's so quiet so easy to find quiet which is not happening at my house very much which is also kind of funny because the pool is outside my window so you might hear an occasional like Marco Polo or a scream it's fine (laughs) I've also played hard I've been to the movie theater two nights in a row to see a movie all by myself. I've gotten yummy takeout. I've slept in. I've done my nails. I've gone to the pool. I've done a little shopping, just run errands by myself. It's been really wonderful. Okay, back on track. Okay, so I'm going to give you some examples of areas that you might want to take a look at in your relationship with yourself. We're going to start there and then we'll go to your relationship with your life. And in each of these examples, I'm, I'm going to talk about it generally and then I'm going to give you some examples from my own life. So we have a relationship with our body. And even one layer further than that for me is I have a relationship with my body clothed. I have a relationship with my body when it's naked. And it's valuable to know what that relationship is and then to take a look at what you want it to be. So a funny story I wanted to share about this one is I I haven't really shared this with you guys yet, um, but there's something kind of interesting about me. I've always been a little different than the women in my life that I was just 
born loving myself. I, I don't even know how else to explain it. And I, I know the women around me love themselves, but I I just have the highest opinion of myself and it's not something that I really ever have to work on. I was just born naturally all my life. I've had the highest self-esteem. I love everything I do. I love how I look. I think I'm smoking hot, which is so fun. I think that people are lucky. Oh, that's the fridge. The fridge just kicked on, so it's a little bit of noise in the background. Sorry, I'm going to keep going. I think that people are lucky to be my friends. I think they're lucky to hang out with me, and not in a conceited way, in just like a really self-confident way. I assume the best in people. I assume the best in myself. I'm quick to see the good in myself and the good in others. Right now, where everyone's wearing masks, I hear a lot of people say, oh, it's so hard to tell if I feel like people are just glaring at me behind those masks. And I have the opposite where I feel like everyone is just giving me the biggest smiles under their masks. I don't know what they're doing, but I easily assume it's a smile. I I love the way I parent. I love the way I run my home. I think my husband is so lucky to be married to me. I'm such a catch. <laughs> I I think I'm very talented and smart. I like my ideas. I like what I create. I'm like such a fan of what I create. It's almost it's almost a problem because sometimes it does need a little bit of adjustment, but I'm like, no, it's amazing. I think everything's amazing. And what's beautiful, like I said, this isn't coming from conceited. This is coming from confidence. And what's beautiful about that is I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I honestly assume that other people feel this way about themselves until I talk to them. And not so much lately, but this was when I was younger and didn't have as good of an understanding of how the brain works and all of that. But I used to really walk around assuming that Everyone else felt at least pretty close to the way I feel. And then I would have conversations with people and realize, oh, wow, no, you you, you struggle with loving yourself. You struggle with having a high opinion of yourself. And then that's okay. And I've really come to understand that that's more than normal and I'm not normal. And I also want to follow it up with, I definitely still have down days. I definitely still will look at my stretch marks in the mirror and think, oh, man, I wish I didn't have stretch marks, right? I have moments you know, days where, you know, I don't like my clothes. I'm, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not just this, I'm not completely immune to the thoughts that my lower brain offers me. Some days I indulge in them. But for the most part, my default I have found is quite different than other people's default. I don't spend time thinking maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I did it wrong. Maybe I'm not enough. I'm just enough, man. I just know it in my bones. And it's amazing blessing that I've been I've been given and now I used to not understand how I could be so different than the people in my life that I was interacting with and realizing that their brains work differently than mine but now it's clear to me that those thoughts just come easily to me that's really all it ever is for me or them or anybody is thinking I'm enough I'm smart I'm smoking hot I just think those things all the time very easily very regularly and other people struggle to think and believe those things. And that's really all it comes down to. So I just wanted to share that with you guys really quick as we're talking about our relationship with ourselves. I don't honestly share that very much. I'm I'm getting better about sharing it because especially now that I understand where my confidence comes from, I used to think it was kind of this mysterious superpower, but now I just know it's from my thoughts. And I have found that when I share this with people, they either love it or it kind of makes them feel bad about themselves. So please know that I am in no way trying to make you feel bad about yourselves and your thoughts and the way your brain works. I'm really just trying to show you that there's no mystery here. There's no mystery to self-confidence and self-doubt. It is all from our thoughts and it always will be. And if 
the self-doubt thoughts are coming up more easily for you, there's no problem there. If it's something that you want to change, we know how to change it through the model, through life coaching, through this work. If you want to keep some of them and change some of them, it's all available to you. There's no problems here. And I wanted to share what's going on in my brain to just show you that there's, it's all optional. There's, all, there's so many ways to think about yourself and the way you're currently thinking about yourself is blank. And that's totally fine. We're just willing to take a look at it. We're willing to look at it with curiosity and not to judge ourselves and just be open to what we feel and to the process that it would take if we wanted to change that. And it's all only ever what you want, which is just really amazing. Okay, back to what we have a relationship with. We have a relationship with our clothes. We have a relationship with our brain, which I've already talked about a little bit, what goes on in your brain and and, uh, the patterns in your brain, the thought patterns in your brain. We have a relationship with our personality. There may be parts of our personality that we really like and parts that we don't and we try to lessen or hide. Uh, We have a relationship with our roles. We have a relationship with being a mother. We have a relationship with being a wife, a sister, a daughter, a friend, a student, right? We have a relationship with all those roles. And I'm actually going to do a podcast episode on that in a little bit. I want to go back to the relationship with our clothes. I had an interesting conversation with a client recently who talked about how she likes her clothes. But sometimes when she puts them on, you know, we just started talking about her clothes and we got pretty in depth on what her current relationship with her clothes was. And it was really fascinating because we often think, oh, if I can just get new clothes, then I'll feel so much better with my clothes. But I really encourage uh, my clients. And recently I've been encouraging my daughters to work on their relationship with their clothes because that is that little dopamine hit of buying new clothes. And so it seems very tempting to just always kind of throw out what we have and buy new stuff because the new stuff feels so good right at first, right? But it's also completely available to you to improve the relationship you have with the clothes that are currently in your closet. And I'm not saying don't buy new clothes. Buying new clothes is fun. But just be on to yourself when it's saying, well, these are no good. I need I need new clothes and then I'll be excited about my clothes again. You can be excited about the clothes you currently have. Another thing about having a relationship with your clothes is take a look and see if your clothes fit and how they fit. And if you're hanging on to a lot of clothes that don't fit anymore, but you're wanting them to fit. Because that can affect your relationship with your clothes. And one thing that I've heard before is that we we have that kind of skewed perspective on clothes fitting and we might say like oh well these ones don't fit or they'll fit again when I lose weight and all that but <clears throat> what it really comes down to is you need to buy clothes that fit you need to have clothes in your closet that fit who you are today now maybe if you just had a baby and the clothes in your closet are maternity clothes you know that's a different story but if you're hanging on to all these clothes that'll fit if you just lose 10 pounds, I'm not saying get rid of them, but just make sure the clothes that you have like hanging in your closet ready to wear fit. If you need to go out and buy some new clothes that fit, it's such a gift you give yourself is to have clothes you like that fit. <laughs> so if it doesn't fit, it's just because they're the wrong size. Go buy the right size. <laughs> That's something that I've been working on a little bit lately. And your size can change and up, down, whatever. Just buy clothes that fit and have clothes in your closet that fit. And I mentioned that I've been talking to my daughters about this because they're teenage, my two oldest are teenagers now, and they are really starting to understand how fun it is to buy new clothes. And we're not going to stores very much because of the pandemic. So they're enjoying online shopping, which is a little bit of a slippery slope. So we're working on understanding the value of things and they're spending their own money for the most part. We help them buy, you know, school clothes or winter clothes, things that they need. But if they're just buying clothes that they want, it's their own money. And... I just want to, sometimes we'll go up to their closet and look through their clothes and I'll remind them, remember you bought this just a couple months ago and you were so in love with it and you wore it a ton and now I haven't seen you wear it in a month because now you bought these new clothes and now this one seems old and shabby. (laughs) And that's what our brain will trick us with. So, okay, too much on clothes. The last one that I want to touch on in this category is we have a relationship with our past. 
and we have a relationship with our future. And we'll often talk about in life coaching past self and future self. And that's the relationship that we have with who we were in the past and who we will be in the future and the way we think about that version of ourselves, that person. But in addition to that, you have a relationship with your past story and the future story that you are have created or are creating in your mind. So I, want, I encourage you to take a look at that and look at parts of your past that you love and just enjoy that. Look at parts of your past that were hard and honor those moments and see what work needs to be done to heal from them or move on from them if that's what you need or to just honor them and remember them and leave them exactly as they are. And then as you look at your future, see what you currently think about your future. Does it seem unknown? Does it seem uncertain? Does it seem unsafe to dream? Do you want to feel that way or do you want to feel like you can dream big again and like you can make plans? And I'm talking about that could be like immediate future, like a year from now, or even envisioning where you'll be 10 years from now. Is that easy to think about? Do you want it to be easy to think about? Just start to look at all of those things. I have one more funny little story to share about my relationship with myself. And it's that I have this funny thing by being my own best friend (laughs) where I truly believe that at all times I look amazing and I don't have to look in the mirror to make sure it's true. (laughs) That's just the image I have of myself in my mind. And so this works great for me, but occasionally it does backfire a little bit like how much I love everything I create, all my content and everything in that sometimes we're a bit of a mess. Sometimes we've got a hot mess moment going right on in the mirror, right on our bodies, like something big in our teeth or our hair's a little crazy and we didn't realize it, or, you know, a big stain on our pants we didn't see, or uh, our pants, we thought they looked good in these pants, but they actually don't fit quite right anymore, or something like that. And so that happens to me where I get dressed and I think, oh, I'm looking so good. And, you know, maybe I looked in my bathroom mirror, but it's not a full length mirror, so I didn't quite see the whole ensemble, or I didn't have a chance to fix my hair and I forgot I didn't fix it or something. Sometimes that will happen. And I'll go out and run an errand or something and come home and then I'll get a chance to look in the mirror, like truly, like a full length mirror. And I'll realize, oh man, (laughs) I thought I was looking way better than this, which is just a funny problem to have because I'm like a supermodel in my mind. And if you know me and have met me and have seen me, I am gorgeous for sure, but I'm definitely not a supermodel and I'm totally okay with that. But I just have this image in my head of I am strutting my stuff. So it's just funny to have that image a little bit corrected at times because sometimes I look in the mirror and it's like exactly on with what I was thinking in my head of how great I looked but when I'm having those hot mess days and I look in the mirror and I thought oh I didn't realize that I actually look a little crazy right now a little bag lady and I have to go fix it because I was going out in public and letting people see me look like a bag lady which is totally fine but also again I was saying if you've if you've met me and seen me I'm I'm not skinny like a supermodel I'm super curvy which I love and I actually don't care about, I mean, I care. I don't have a ton of fashion sense. I like clothes. I like to let other people, like I let my daughters pick out my, what I'm going to wear because they have great taste and they care more than I do. I like to look great, but I don't care to like create the look. I like to, I like how I look when I'm wearing makeup, but I'm not like, oh, I love creating looks on my face with makeup. I like how my hair looks when it's done and pretty, but I don't like to come up with hairdos and, and the, the way, you know, oh, this is what we'll do. I don't like to create those ideas. I just like to look good. So it's funny to know that in my mind, I feel like a supermodel since none of those things are actually super important to me, like the creation part of that. Anyway, I also think my house looks amazing, which is a funny thing. It, it does. I love my house. It's beautiful, but I do not have that design 
interior design bone in my body. I just like how it all looks. I'm just pretty easy to please. And I think what I've done with my house is beautiful. And sometimes I'll have people come in and I'll not uh, like a friend come in and I'll say, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this. And I can tell she kind of doesn't like that idea. And I'm thinking, I thought all my ideas were amazing. (laughs) Anyway, it's pretty funny too to have this going on in my brain. It mostly serves me. It occasionally slightly backfires, but totally worth it. I'd still rather have this going on for myself. Okay, so let's go take a look at your relationship with your life. So we all have a relationship with our house, where we live, our home. We have a relationship with the way we run our home. We have a relationship with the responsibilities in our home. We have a relationship with the way our house looks with the way it's decorated with the yard with the dreams we have about what we want to do and change in our house whether it's inside or out I love in this case I love to dream big and we plan to live in the house we're in for a long time and I have tons of project ideas and I have to be careful not to tell them all to my husband because he gets overwhelmed really easily and in my mind I know these are the projects I want to do over the next 10 years and he's thinking if I say them all out loud to him he's thinking she wants to do this all within the next year even if I totally reassure him this is like my big long-term plan idea picture in my head he still gets real nervous because (laughs) I'm a big dreamer and he's more realistic and we meet in the middle which is so great but I think I need to help him dream a little more and he thinks he needs to bring my dreams down a little bit, which is kind of both true. And that's that meeting in the middle. Anyway, so I just tell him one or two dreams at a time and I just keep the rest logged away up in my in my noggin because I love to think long-term. I love to dream big and I'm never in a hurry. I'm never, I'm willing for it all to take as long as it needs to take timing-wise, energy-wise, financially. And anyway, okay. So we have a relationship with all of those things. So take a look at... Uh, your responsibilities and how you run your house and do you like how you do those things do you like how you feel about those things do you want it to be different or do you want to keep it the same we have a relationship with our vehicles our car sometimes we name our cars which is i think is pretty fun sometimes we don't trust our cars sometimes we love our cars and know they'll get us anywhere we need to go sometimes our cars represent freedom sometimes they represent our commute you know it, it represents a lot of things for us Sometimes we'll remember hard things that have happened in cars, like a car accident or a child throwing up in the car or something. And sometimes they'll represent some of our best adventures. So see what relationship you have with your car, the memories. We, we have a 2004 Honda Odyssey that we bought in 2007, right when Brad was headed to basic training. And this car has been with us a long time and means a lot to us. And even though we now have the excursion, that's an eight-seater, and our Honda Odyssey only seats seven, which we have a family of eight. So it's a little bit funny. We still have it. It's just such a great, reliable car that fits us great when just my husband's at work or gone. And that's so often. So often the errands we run is just like me and my kids. And so we just take the van. And when we're a whole family, we take the excursion. And... I seriously feel like I have a relationship with this car. It's it's moved us across the country when we lived in Alabama and back. It's, you know, we've gone on so many adventures in this car and it's been so reliable and taken such good care of us. And I will seriously like reach out and pet the dashboard sometimes and just be like, good job car, like good job van. I just love our Honda Odyssey. It's so usable. My kids can climb in and out really easily. Anyway, it's a great car. So think about the relationship that you have with your car and if it's what you want it to be. We have a relationship with, um, you know, where we live. Like I said, our neighborhood. We have a relationship with our city. 
We have a relationship with our state, our country, our world. Right now, we have been thinking a little more globally these days, which is pretty interesting. So think about those things. Do I like where I live? Do I, do I like the story I tell about where I live, my neighborhood, my city, my state? Some people are really proud of where they live, and they say, come visit. It's so fun. I love it here. And and some people aren't. Some people wish they could move. And this for military wives, we move a lot. So think about the relationship you have with maybe even each place you've lived. One thing I think is pretty interesting about this is I live in Utah, and I love it here. It feels like home to me. And I've lived a lot of places. I moved around a lot when I was a kid and again in high school. And But I, I always end up coming back to Utah, and I love it here. My husband loves it here. We want to live here forever, even though we, again, love other places and want to travel and experience all kinds of things. But we love raising our family here and living here. We love the mountains. We love the weather. We love the people. We love just everything about it. And... I've found it interesting because I have siblings. I'm the youngest, so my older siblings who only lived in Utah a little bit. We ended up moving here when I was six, but they were like in high school. And they actually don't don't love it here. I mean, they, they, they're okay with it, but they are glad that they don't live here. I think that's so interesting because it's all just based on our opinion, right? It's all about the relationship we have with where we live. They love where they live, and I love where I live. And that's just an interesting thing to to notice and to be curious about. Why do I love this place? Why do other people not love it here? Why do some people love where they live and some people not love where they live? Okay, you have a relationship with some things that are a little more maybe abstract, like you have a relationship with time and your time management and your schedule. That one's really worth taking a look at. And I'll probably do a whole podcast episode on that. You have a relationship with money, another amazing one to come to understand and to get more intentional about what you want that to look like, which also deserves its own podcast episode. (laughs) You have a relationship with failure and being willing to fail and being willing to feel failure. You have a relationship with your spirituality. You have a relationship with religion. You have a relationship with God, whether it's that you don't have a relationship or that you do, or that you have a tentative relationship or a strong one, right? You have a relationship with all of these things. You have a relationship with your goals. Here's an interesting one that I did. I did a weight loss call with a client the other day, and we talked about how we have a relationship with exercise. And a, and a little bit goes along with this kind of, we have a relationship with the physical abilities of our body. And so it's worth taking a look at of what do I think about exercise? Do I enjoy exercising or do I dread it? Do I enjoy cer- certain types of exercising, but not other types? Why do I think I'm not a runner? Why does exercise feel hard? Why does sometimes it feel easy? You know, you just start to look at all your thoughts about exercising. Do I want to exercise or do I feel like I should exercise? How do I feel when I have exercised? Why is it important to me? Why is it not important to me? Why do I think it should be important to me? You know, just start to ask yourself all these questions. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll just say it one more time. One thing I love that I've come to know recently and I've, I've created for myself with my relationship with exercise was that I do it so much more easily and more enjoyably. And I'm open to all kinds of exercise when I remind myself that I exercise for fun. Because the only way I was getting myself to exercise before that was through obligation and through telling myself I should exercise and I, I should love it and I should enjoy it and I should want to be healthy and I should do it regularly. It was a lot of shoulds, which brings up obligation for me. But when I took all that away, what I wanted to feel was excited to exercise. I wanted to feel that it was enjoyable. And so I found that thought of, I exercise for fun because it is fun. And I loved exercising when it was fun. 
And it was fun when I wasn't saying any of the shoulds. And so I've rewritten that relationship for myself just a little bit of reminding myself. And, and my lower brain will offer me that should thought still. It'll say, oh, we got to get up. We should exercise. And I think, no, I just exercise for fun. And it goes, oh, for fun? I thought it was because we should. <laughs> and I say, no, nope, just for fun. And then I get out of bed and I go exercise. And it's, there's just no pressure. And it's just very delightful. I really enjoy it. Okay, the last one I want to talk about in this section is that we have a relationship with the military. We have a relationship with our husband's unit. We have a relationship with our husband's bosses. We have a relationship with deployments. We have a relationship with drill weekends and trainings and all of that. And this one is also crazy valuable to take a look at and to make it into what we want it to be because whether we like it or not, it's happening. And if we've decided not to like these things or trust these things or feel good about some of these things, we are the only ones who suffer from that decision. So since your husband has to deploy and has to have his bosses and has to be in the military because he is, I mean, at some point maybe he won't be, but currently he is. That's what I mean by has to. That part of your circumstance line is not going to change at this point. How do you feel about it? What do you think about it? And what feeling does that create for you? And how do you want to think about it? And how do you want to feel? about all aspects of your military life. How do you want to feel about being a military wife? Do you want to feel proud? Do you want to feel capable and confident? You need to think thoughts that will create that for you. And it's okay, again, always it's okay to have, even when you've decided this new way you want to think or feel about something, it's okay to have days where you either go back to the old way or you just have a down day. I call them bad army days. I'm like, normally I'm really proud to be a military wife. Normally I'm really supportive of my husband's job. But every once in a while I just indulge in a bad army day where I just get to be a little grumpy and complain and wish we didn't have to do it or deal with it. And then the next day I just go back to the way that I like thinking and feeling about it all. So we're going to give ourselves so much grace and compassion as we go on this journey of understanding our relationship with ourselves, understanding our relationship with our life and all the components, and really breaking it down into these components. And you can just take one or two at a time. Some of these are really simple. You identify what you think about your car. You identify what you want to think about your car. You just make a tiny shift and you're there, right? Some of them are really simple. So you could even start with some of those less you know, intense ones maybe. And then go to the ones that you're a little more afraid to take a look at once you're ready, you know, like maybe money or your relationship with your body. And you take take them on one at a time and stay there as long as it's needed, you know, or even take a break from working on that one and go to another one and come back to that one later just to get clear on what is my current relationship with my body and what do I want my relationship with my body to be? What am I currently thinking and feeling about my body? And what do I want to be thinking and feeling about my body? And all it is, no more mystery, you guys. It comes down to your thoughts and that's it. Your thoughts are everything to do with a relationship that you have with something or someone. And so knowing your thoughts and knowing what you would want your thoughts to be is all you ever need to know about your relationships. And when you're able to clean up that thinking and make it be in the place where you want it to be or own the way you currently think about something, we don't have to change it all. It's okay. It's okay to just own what we currently think about something. It gives you so much power to create your life the way you want it to look, the way you want to think about it, and the way you want it to feel. It's amazing work to do, and I can't wait for you guys. If you would like some help working on this, please reach out to me. This is exactly what I do in my coaching. This along with everything else we talk about on this podcast, but I love working with my clients on what their relationship 
is with themselves and with the things in their life, the things around them. Such powerful work to do, and I would love to be a part of it. I'd be honored to be your life coach and work with you on this. So if this is important to you, reach out to me to schedule a consult and we can talk about it and see see what we come up with. It will be amazing. I can't wait. Okay, well, that's what I have for you guys today. We're going to end with just a silly little hot mess moment that goes along with this topic just a little bit. So when I was young and single, I used to be pretty adventurous, not really um, overly responsible. But as I've become a wife and a mother, and then also as I have experienced some different injuries and just kind of let the weight of my responsibility settle in on my shoulders. I'm still fun and adventurous, but I just look at life a little differently now because it's never, for me, it's never worth getting injured again. So I have to be careful just for myself. So I'm talking about when my kids are like, go jump off this thing with me. I'm like, you guys go ahead. I'm not going to because I can't, I can't get hurt again. That No. So, or maybe if people are wanting, people in my family or something are wanting to do something really extravagant money-wise, I'll say, you know, let's try this instead. It's a little bit less money. It'll still be really fun. So I tend to bring, scale our ideas back just a little bit in my family. And so I got this nickname from my kids and my husband. And this is a loving kind of joking nickname, but that I'm a wet blanket. And I say it too. I say, okay, wet blanket time. And I, I bring the idea down just a little bit to be a little safer, a little less expensive, whatever. And I actually really like this part of me. This is something that's really working for me right now. I feel like it's not overdone to the place where we're just like not doing anything or spending money or anything. It's just tempering extravagance just a little bit to be a little more realistic, a little more safe, all those things. So I decided one day that I was just going to own my wet blanketness rather than kind of be apologetic about it because I did like my reasons and I did like the results I got from being a little bit of a wet blanket in my family. <laughs> so now my family, when they go to call me wet blanket, they now know that I'm the queen of the wet blankets and they can only call me wet blanket if they call me the queen of the wet blankets, not just wet blanket anymore. So I'll say, here comes the queen of the wet blankets. And then I tell them how I'm, I want to temper it just a little bit. And then that's all that they're allowed to say as well. Uh, anyway, that is my funny little hot mess moment today of owning that piece of my personality and really just my current personality because our personality evolves over time. So maybe later when I don't have little kids, I'll be a little more open to more extravagant ideas. But right now this is working for me. So I am officially crowned queen of the wet blankets. Ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.